Okay, this week's message is um, jumping off of a book I read a little bit. I didn't read the whole thing because it's been a while, but I just felt that this was something that we could use today. I'm sort of cheating. I'm not doing a sermon from scratch. I'm actually using this book called Not a Fan from Kyle Eidelman, I think it's pronounced. And it just gives us a challenge. Last week we talked about feeding on God's Word and getting to know Him and feeding on the right kind of healthy food and so on to get to know Him. But this book was interesting because it challenged me. And every time I bring a message, it's basically what God's challenging me to, so it's not anything that I'm above. Uh, In the book, he starts out the chapter with... uh, Defining the relationship. So relationships, of course, are very important. We know that. And we have to realize that our biggest, most important relationship with is is Jesus. Uh, There's two groups that he says that are interesting about, are you a group of a person that says, are you serious enough about the faith that you show up in the Christian section of your bookstore or wear a pin or a bumper sticker that says, love Jesus and all that? And you're not afraid to be in that section. That's the Jesus fish on my back of my car group, number one. Or are you the one that says, well, I'm okay. I know Jesus. I believe in him. But I would never, you know, that's good for them to do that, but not for me. And that's sort of how he opens up the book. And like he says here, defining the relationship to see if you were a follower or a fan. Now, We all can say, oh, if you're a believer, are we a believer? Yes, I believe in Jesus. I've accepted Jesus as my Savior. But I'm also, the question is, are you a fan of Jesus or are you a follower of Jesus? Now, you can be a fan and a follower, but which one are you more of is what the question is, too. A fan is actually something that's like someone's an enthusiastic admirer. And... Yes, and we sing the beautiful songs to him. We come and worship him. We sing these songs to him, hopefully out of our heart and really meaning it. Uh, But to be a fan is sort of just on the sidelines admirer. You know, when we go to a football game or a basketball game or any kind of sports, you can get really hyped up and cheering on your team. And some people are really good at knowing all the stats of every player. They have their favorite player. They have their favorite team. And they're good at cheering them on. And sometimes uh, that's, a, that's a good thing, but we don't want to just be a cheering cheerleader for Jesus. We want to become a real true follower because we fall in love with him. So he says here, defining what a real follower, if someone asks you, are you a follower for Jesus? Are you a follower? And you'd say, well, yeah. But the question is, he says, I'm not asking, do you go to church? The question isn't, do you have two or three or four Bibles in your house? The question isn't, uh, do you go every Sunday and every weekday that the church is open or give all of your money to different things? And it's not, do you have a Christian ringtone on your phone? I thought that was cute, too. And do you wear witness t-shirts? That's not the question. We can all do that, and that is nice because it's showing that we represent, that we are a believer. But I have a thing. I just thought of this. I don't, sometimes did you ever notice when a lot of people wear a cross on their necklace? And I think, well, they're a Christian, but not necessarily. 
A lot of people will just buy a cross necklace. But that doesn't really mean that they are a true follower of Christ. It just means I'm, a lot of us do wear it for the right reasons. I'm not saying that that's not what it means, but I'm just making a point. <laughs> um, it doesn't, he says here, these, the, the other kind of group is the one that says about, well, that's okay for them, but not me. It doesn't bother them that some people choose to follow Jesus. That's cool, but it's not your thing. So I want to get most of my message before we get to that in John chapter 3. Uh, we want to, sometimes we look at a measurement of our following and think of uh, an accurate measurement is not measuring by what other people do or don't do. Because sometimes we can say, well, I'm a good follower or I'm a Christian because I do... I don't do what they do. I'm doing, I do better than that. I don't do that. So we can't compare ourselves with other Christians and say that that's, that makes us a follower or a better Christian. So, another measurement that we can use that is not a good measurement is if we measure by rules and religion instead of coming from our heart and really following Christ. If you find yourself measuring relationships that way, it's not really a real thing. Like, for instance, uh, you can point to your observance of religious rules and rituals as evidence that you're a real follower. After all, they go to church every weekend, put money in the offering, volunteer in the nursery, listen to Christian radio only, and don't see any R-rated movies. But that doesn't really define you as a Christian. It defines you that you're doing steps to keep you in a good uh, standard here. But anyway, let's jump right into the scriptures. John chapter 3 is where we're going to go. We're going to talk about Nicodemus today. So if we go to John chapter 3, we'll read verses 1 through 11. I believe I have written down here. Okay, now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with him. And Jesus replied, Very truly, I say to tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Well, how can someone be born again when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. And you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born in the spirit. Well, how can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, Jesus said. And do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but still, you people do not accept our testimony. So Nicodemus, first of all, he comes to him in verse 2 at night. He comes to Jesus because, okay, think about this. Nicodemus is out. He sees Jesus out speaking healing people, performing all these miracles. See, he's starting to be an admirer from afar, sees all these things, 
and he wants to know more about him. So he goes to him at night. He doesn't want to go during the day because if he went at, during the day, it's, this would give him a problem because he's in the Pharisees where they're not really for Jesus right now. And the second point you want to see here, it says here in verse um, 2, the rest of it says, for no, We know, teacher, that, uh, that you are a teacher who has come from God. So Nicodemus, he already acknowledges that he is from God, so he sort of knows that. So now he's, he's already acknowledging that he knows the truth of he, <clears throat> he's from God. So if we look at this, it says Nicodemus was ready to take his relationship with Jesus to another level, <clears throat> but, it never, but it wasn't that easy. It never is. There would be much to lose from Nicodemus if he would be a public follower of Jesus. What would people think if they found out that Nicodemus was an admirer of this homeless <clears throat> <clears throat> excuse me, carpenter turned rabbi from a nothing town called Galilee. So if you think about it, hmm, what would people think? So this would be something that he would lose his position probably from his Sanhedrin and his reputation as a religious leader. Being a secret admirer would cost him, of Jesus wouldn't cost him anything if he went at night and just had a secret relationship. So he finds himself at what would be seeming to be a surprising crossroad. He would have to choose between being, a being in religion and a relationship with Jesus. Hmm. So, don't we find, like sometimes, uh, I'm thinking of like right now in just everyday life, okay. I'm guilty of this and that's why I think this is something I brought up because do I really, will I really be open about my faith in public when it comes to people that don't really see it as I see it? Or they don't believe in Jesus, or they have a whole different view. Am I willing to put my reputation or my you know, friendships on if I would say who I really am? Am I really a follower or am I just a fan? If you're a follower, first of all, you're going to believe that he is who he says he is, then you are going to surrender your life and repent, and then you're going to want to commit to him, and then you're going to want to follow him. So it's sort of in that order. So <clears throat> it's not, uh, making a decision about Jesus is not the same as following him, because you can make a decision and recognize that he is who he is. Satan even recognizes who Jesus is. It's the whole fact of putting your life and surrendering it to him to make him Lord and then commit to him. <clears throat> I like this, what he says about uh, fans come to Jesus thinking tune-up, but Jesus is thinking an overhaul. Fans come to Jesus with thinking, yeah, a little makeup's fine to touch me up, but he wants to do a whole makeover on us. Fans think a little decorating is required, but Jesus wants a complete remodel. He wants to overturn and do all kinds of stuff to help us in our life. It's an upside down, like our whole life has changed. Some people want to be able to say, well, I want Jesus, but I don't want to mess him in my life, in my affairs. He has a story in here that's pretty cute. 
he had a, a person that left the church. And when he found out he was leaving, he had wondered why he left. So he finally got around to calling this person, and the person said, well, every time I come to church, it's like you're preaching right at me, and you're getting in my business, and I'm not real comfortable with that. He left. But see, that's the job of what the Word is going to do, is point out things that we need to look at in our life. So following Jesus will cost you something. Um, we need to realize that there's no uh, life with Jesus without real change. I have it written down here. There's no... There's no... This is a point that I thought that was very good to think about. There's no forgiveness without repentance. We can't receive forgiveness if we don't think we need to repent. So that's how we first start with, like, we need to acknowledge we need to repent when we come to him. Then the next thing is there's no salvation without surrender. He can't save us if we won't surrender to something we need to surrender him to. We need to give him our lives and say, okay, you have your way in me. Now it's time for me to give up of what I always want and what I follow and let you do the work in me. There's no life without death. We need to die to self and let Christ live in us. And there's no believing without commitment. So I thought that was interesting. So we see Nicodemus. He comes to Jesus at night. So he, he recognizes who he, he is, pretty much, but doesn't really want to give himself over to being a follower. Okay. So now we go eventually in John 43 through... Uh, chapter 7, verse 43 through 52, I think it is here. So. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thus the people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees who asked them, why didn't you bring him in? Well, no one ever spoke this way about the way this man does, the guards replied. You mean he has deceived you also, the Pharisees retorted? Have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in him? No, but this mob who knows nothing of the law, there is a curse on them. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he has been doing? So now all of a sudden, he's moving into finally like, okay, I'm defending Jesus now. In front of the Pharisees too. So, when we're out and about and someone curses God's name, it makes me just cringe. And I'm thinking, do I stand up and say, please don't say that. That really offends me because I know God. I know Jesus. Do I do it? Not always. Hardly ever. It's like I'm guilty. I don't speak up when I should. Maybe none of you are like that, but I find myself sometimes not really being a true follower when it comes time for the test. But Nicodemus finally is making that point and risking it all now. So, you see a growth a growth here, a little bit, from believing, being a secret 
admirer to a secret follower in the night. Who knows, he might have kept meeting with him. We don't know. That's just my thought. He might have kept sort of coming to him and sort of talking with Jesus, but only at night. And now it comes to a point where a crossroads comes again, and he's going to say, well, hey, give him, you know. And then eventually, when we jump into John the chapter 19, he comes when Jesus is crucified and died, and they come to bury him. He is among them. Chapter 19, what do I have there? 19. I have all these notes everywhere. I'm sorry I'm disorganized. It seems like I jumped around today, but... Okay, at the very end, it says here... Uh, we'll go to verse uh, 39. This is when they were taking, when Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. So it was an expensive anointing, and he brought it, and this is daylight now. So... It's out in the open now, the bravery. And I think of Romans 1.16 that says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. And there's times where I fail him because I'm too chicken. I don't say stuff when I should say it. So the point is, we just need to examine our heart and say, am I willing to surrender? Am I willing to be a real follower? Or am I just going to be a fan? Am I going to be able to speak his name in public and not be afraid of the consequences? There's a, such a turmoil of, I keep saying this, and I kept hearing this for years, the scripture says, evil will be called good and good will be called evil. And it's happening, it's always been, but it just seems more prevalent lately, I guess because I'm aware of it, maybe, I don't know. But I think that we need to be able, as Christians, to be strong enough to stand up to what is right and be identified with Christ instead of sometimes we just, I'm just speaking for me, I'm not pointing any fingers, just hear me out, just not just playing the role of going to church and reading our Bible and doing what is right, that's all good, but now we need to apply it in our life to stand for who we need to stand for. Be representatives in this world of evil. We are in the world, but we're not of the world, like I said before. And we are to be called to represent and be ambassadors for Christ. And when we can stand up, even with elections. Elections are important because we need to vote for what we feel is morally right that God would want us to do. We also need to represent in our families, in our schools, and everywhere. Like, you know, this is something that we're called to do. I don't want to be a Nicodemus where I'm hiding at night and not really being a true believer, okay? And so I just felt like I'm bringing that forward. Uh, there's other times in the Bible, if you think about, where he challenged the defining of the relationship. With Peter, you think about Peter, do you love me? When Jesus asked him, do you love me, Peter? And then I always think, what would I, like, 
Think of Jesus sitting there saying, do you love me? Do you love me enough to follow me where I take you? Do you love me enough to speak of me throughout the day and the night and all the times of suffering and good times? There are times that were bad. Sometimes we want to get the benefits from him, like we want all the blessings and all the good things. But like in uh, some of the disciples turned away from him and left and because they weren't getting what they really wanted from him, I get you know? So we have to be careful that we don't draw back because we're not, things aren't all going our way. Um, so the question, it's not a very long sermon, but it's, <laughs> it's just the question of asking yourself, knowledge about him, or do I have knowledge about him, or intimacy with him? Am I a true follower, or am I just a fan? I don't want to be a cheerleader on the sidelines or just a fan watching things happening and letting everyone else be involved in the game, but being part of the plan, the game plan that God put me in. So we need to go and allow him to be our shepherd and we can be his sheep. And of course we know sheep are all wanderers. We like to wander around sometimes. <laughs> Play around like, well, I want to go over here and do this. I want to eat this grass. Well, last week we talked about all the food and the healthy, and I thought about all the junk food that I like to eat. But it's sort of like the sheep that always feels like the grass is greener here, go here, go here. But Jesus like, get over here, get in the fence. I have good stuff here. I got water. I got all the food you need. Lay down and rest with me and follow me when I take you. Uh, I have a question, too, that I asked, uh, do I really want to follow when times get rough? It's not always easy to follow him. It does cost us something. It costs us family members maybe getting mad. It costs us good friendships that don't agree with our new lifestyle. And it is a lifestyle. It's not just learning, learning, learning. It's actually living it and applying what we learn. Uh, to be a sh uh, the thing is, I want to follow him and turn my, let him turn my life upside down at times. It's not comfortable. It's the ouch syndrome. <laughs> I call it like ouch. You hear a message or you read something that, ugh, ouch, ouch, that's me. I need to, okay. Or it's like giving us truth. We can read it, but we have to receive it. It's one thing to read the word, but we need to receive the word. Like I said last week, chew up that food and digest it into our, in our soul. Uh, we need to trust him enough to give up things that we hold on to and hang on to because we think that's our way to make it through or things that we don't want to give up. But we have to trust him enough to let go of things that we don't need to hinder us and take hold of him. And we need to be able to stand for what is right in a world that is full of a lot of anti-God. <laughs> And it's true. I mean, it's not like I'm trying to be downer, but it's true. We're in an anti, so much anti-God and so much hatred and so much conflict and so much division. And it's like, you know what? Jesus had a way of dealing with that in a calm manner. Spoke the truth, spoke the truth in love, brought his people to follow him, to stay close to him. He'll guide us and direct us through it all and give us the words, and the Holy Spirit is our helper, too, to get us through that. And with that, I just want to challenge you to evaluate where you are. 
Where's your relationship issue with Jesus? If you were to sit down and have him just sit down and talk with you, and if he asks you, would you, are you following me? Do you want to follow me? Have you made that commitment to say, I will follow you? Or are you just sort of meeting with them here and there and just like, well, like last week, taste and see that the Lord is good, right? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for your love, Lord, and giving us your words of just, and Jesus for giving your life for us. I just pray that you would help us to really look into our hearts and and make that commitment to follow you more sincerely and not just to read about you, but to, Lord, really get to know you and have that deep relationship with you and that we, we, we would be able to follow you wherever you lead and be representative of you in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, have a good week. God bless you all.